Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jamar. Today is episode 71 and we're going to be interviewing Joanne G. How are you doing, Joanne? I'm great. Thank you. All right. Glad to hear that. And let's dive right into this and get going. Tell us a little bit about growing up in your childhood. Well, I always remember growing up, I just never felt like I fit in. You know, I, um, I don't know. I just, I never really felt good about myself. So it, it was kind of a struggle school. Um, yeah. Like relationships, everything. Like I never, I mean, at, at now that I think back, that's kind of when uh, the addictive behaviors began for me, you know, um, my, I come from a good family. My, my parents, believe it or not, are still married. Um, they sent us to Catholic school for eight years. Um, God, I hated it. Anyways, uh, I think because, you hate that, it? because I, I, I didn't feel like I fit in. Like there's such a, like there, it's such a small atmosphere, you know, for the kids. And I, I just, I just never felt like I fit in any any type of group, you know. I remember being lonely and just not feeling good about myself, you know. Now that you're a little bit older, are you able to identify any reasons for feeling that way? Yeah, um, a lot of it had to, you know, like I said, a lot of it had to do with, you know, the addict behaviors. Um, I, I was already exhibiting, you know, like the compulsive, the compulsiveness, the, the, the food issues that, I mean, I was already like manifesting addictive behaviors <laughs> and, um, you know, and even now, like, I don't feel comfortable around normies. Like all my friends are addicts one way or another, they are addicts, right? They all struggle with a disease of addiction and they get me, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a funny word normies, but it's so right? true. Unless you have an addiction issue, you just don't get it. The best thing anyone <clears throat> in my mind who has an addiction issue, if they're trying to understand, the best thing they can say is, I understand that I don't understand. Exactly. Normal people don't get it. <clears throat> they don't understand either how we think. No. Like I have friends, like I have friends um, and I'll call them and I'll say, oh my God, this is what I'm obsessing over. And we'll laugh because they just obsessed over the same thing a couple of days ago, you know? Yep. And like I said, nobody, nobody understands unless you actually have the disease of addiction, you know, I don't know how to be normal in anything, unfortunately. Well, that's, that's the next question is what exactly is normal? Is anybody normal, quote unquote? I mean, exactly. Um, Right. Yeah. And, you know, as I, and I don't like to like look at people's, you know, people's character defects and all that, because I just need to worry about myself. Right. It's none of my business, what other people do, but it's funny because I'll look at them and I'll be like, oh my God, they're, you know, they're a drunk or they're a, you know, I'll, I'll, I can identify who they are and what they are, you know? And um, because I pretty much been addicted to like probably almost everything in my life, you know? So unless I work a program, like working steps, really surrendering I'll I can become addicted to anything that's just who I am and I accept that about myself you know so I get it yeah you said that you were displaying addictive behaviors pretty early what kind of things did were you what kind of things did you do that were kind of an addictive behavior well for one I've always had an unhealthy relationship with food right and I would just eat you know whatever I wanted blah 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 relationships, boys. Oh my God. I was so unhealthy. You know, I was so unhealthy. And the only way I was able to uh, get past the unhealthy relationships was meeting my husband 27 years ago, you know, and 
you know, I, 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 he passed away by the way, it's been a year, but he passed away. I was able to break that. Yeah, me too. I was able to break that, you know, being, being obsessed, you know, with them. Why won't they love me? You know, I'm even, I've even become addicted to like, um, oh God, rescuing people. I mean, there's just so many different things that you can, you can do. So you don't have to focus on yourself and the character defects you need to work on. That's what I've learned. What kind of unhealthy, what, what was your um, relationship to food? Like how exactly did you abuse it? Well, let's put it this way. Um, up until five years ago, has it been five years? Yeah, it's like four in September. It'll be five years. I mean, I had weight loss surgery. Uh, it'll be five years in September. I was 309 pounds. Wow. 400. Yeah, I mean, I, I tried everything to lose weight. And it's funny because I gained all the weight. I mean, I was always a little bit overweight, but I gained it all when I quit smoking cigarettes. I used to smoke like two and a half to three packs a day. So I ended up like, I quit probably 20 years ago, smoking 20, 21 years ago. And I gained like a hundred pounds or like really quick, you know, because the obsession, you know, it's like, I, I don't know how to be like normal basically, you know, and the weight loss surgery was, it's, it, it you know, I've lost it all. I, I'm a little bit, I'm a little chubby right now. I like, I gained weight over the holidays. I need to take it off, you know, but it'll be okay. You know? It'll be okay. But yeah, I still like, I still like food. I still love food. I'm not going to lie. You just can't eat as much with the weight loss surgery, you know? What do they do? One of those lap band things that makes you eat less? All right. Having a little issue here with the internet. Give me a second here. All right, folks, just give us a moment here. All right, folks, just another moment or so. Restart this interview. Figure it's better to wait than to start a whole new video.
Sorry about that. All right, we're back. We've All got... right, just paused it for a moment or so. So let's get back into it. And actually, for the next time, I just realized there might be a pause recording button. But where were we? We're talking, we're talking about like like the different like different things about addiction, right? Like the different things I've done, and you know, relationships and food and yeah. For me, it's not to anything. To be honest, unless I work this program, I I'm constantly having to like look at look at my behaviors. You know. Yes. Now that you mention it, I had an issue with food myself. I remember I would just eat an entire sleeve of Chips Ahoy, and it made me feel good. So why not eat right. more? That was all there is to it. I had parents were divorced. I was lonely. I missed mom. Right. And they made me feel better. That's why there's the term comfort food, because it makes you feel more comfortable. Correct. And like I said, we're not normal. Like, no. I mean, I've even been a workaholic before. Like, yep. I mean, there's so many different, I mean, honestly, until, uh, you know, like, I don't mean to jump around, but until I really surrender to the program, I have just, I've really struggled. Like, I mean, I have... Uh, I'll, I'll be hitting God willing in July, six years. Right. But I can honestly say I really started working the program about a year. And like when my husband passed away, cause I was super scared because I was afraid I was going to relapse. And I knew that if I did, I had no one to bail me out because he was a great, um, Oh, I could manipulate him to get money and everything else, you know? So, you know, I, I was really worried because of the way I was feeling, the loneliness. I was so scared and I really, really surrendered to the program. And um, yeah, life is, you know, life is, I miss him, but life is good, you know? So when was the first time you ever actually used the substance other than food or relationships, like a drug or alcohol? Okay, so here's the thing. I've never... Um, I haven't drank or party since I was 19. Like I, I just didn't do it. And I would drink. I never crossed over to addiction for alcohol or drugs. Basically. I just know who I am and I don't mess with it. I thought gambling was much more, um, much more ladylike. Ha ha. But yeah, but here's the interesting part. What a lot of people don't, where I live, there are no gamblers, anonymous meetings. Okay. Um, the program, I, I don't know why it doesn't work. I've, I've had meetings. I would go, I'd have one or two people come. I would go, you know, I, I'd have to go a couple of months. Nobody showed up and I got discouraged. I just said, forget it. So what I ended up having to do is I, I attend Narcotics Anonymous, even though I never been addicted to a substance, I just identify as an addict and that's what's working for me, you know? So all the meetings and all the recovery that I go through is through Narcotics Anonymous. And they know, and they accept me. All I do is just say I'm an addict and that's it because we, we're all the same, you know, we think the same, you know, so that's what's working for me. So, so your main uh, choice of addiction is gambling. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I've ever crossed over. I Well, I've been a workaholic and all those other issues, but absolutely. Oh yeah. I know I, I, I don't have another relapse in me. I'm afraid. Like I fear the disease so much because I know who I am and I don't have that person like my husband to bail me out anymore, you know, and that scares me. What was the first time you ever gambled? Um, I want to say um, probably like 28 years ago, as soon as, as soon as um, 
gambling became legal in California, you know, with the state lottery commission, that's when I started with the scratchers. And what's interesting about me is I wasn't much of going to the casino. I can count how many times I've been to the casino. For me, it was the scratchers. In the stores, you know, the instant gratification. Because the, the nearest casinos may be 45 minutes here. And I, I used to work so much and, and commute and be a you know, workaholic that I just, just never really got into the casino thing, you know? I know it was years ago, but do you remember the exact age you were when you started? Were you 14? Were you 20? No, I was already like maybe in my 20s. Yeah, maybe in my 20s. Yeah, in my 20s. And of course, the first ticket I did, it was a dollar. I won $50. So it gave you, you know? an automatic high. Oh, yeah. The escape. So it's actually a way of escaping your emotions. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tell Absolutely. me about that. What does it make you feel? When I'm gambling, it like, I don't think of, I don't think I obsess over it. I don't think about anything else. I don't think about any of my problems. I don't think about, you know, like my life. I remember, um, so the, the years, like, so like to, to put together what I have now, like five years a month, it took a lot, like so many fucking relapses. Like I would go a year um, and then I would relapse, you know, for a month and go broke, clean out our savings, right? And then my husband would be like, oh my God, you know, he'd be so pissed. But we would, you know, I would get back on the wagon. So I did this shit for years and years and years, right? I was like, I did it forever. I would, you know, but the thing is with me, I always was honest about my gambling. I never said, oh my God, I'm not gambling. No, I would say, yeah, I fucked up. And what are you going to do about it? And now give me your money because I already spent mine. That's just how I was. And I'm not proud of that. And I had to really, I'm right. in fact, right now I'm working steps on his death because of all the, the guilt and the sadness and everything, the regret, you know, because all that shit, when you lose your, your spouse and it was so sudden, you really go through, mentally you go through a lot of shit a lot of guilt you you and, and for me it's like uh, my friends always laugh they call him saint ernie right because of the fact that um i can't remember anything that he did that was negative like everything was he was a saint he put up with me you know all these things and it's just funny so i was able it was funny i i worked one two and three with my sponsor and um after I did one, two, and three, I got a lot of re relief. So I'm hoping I got to finish them. Like now I'm feeling good and all that stuff. I need to finish my steps, you know, uh, on, on this. And yeah. I've worked steps before. I've worked other steps before too, by the way. So. Yeah. I tell yeah. people, take your time with the steps. It is I not, a, it's not a race. Nope. It's not. And my sponsor is amazing. And that's another thing. I've never had a sponsor before. And now I do. You know, it's hard because like, it's like, it's hard. Sometimes I feel like, like, I finally feel like I fit in at, at, at NA Narcotics Anonymous because I have a meeting Monday. I have a meeting. I'm a secretary to a meeting on Monday. It's a book study. And it's, it, I just didn't feel like I fit in. It's like, I, I don't fit in, but, but I do fit in. Like now I do fit in. It took me a long time to feel that comfort, you know? That's why I wish I could have gotten Gamblers Anonymous really, you know, going good here. But I've tried so many times. I'm over it. I just got discouraged, you know. Did you ever try starting your own group? I did. Oh, you did? Nobody came. They come for a couple meetings and then they, they quit. It's awful. I think the nearest meetings like in Santa Barbara, like, and I, I just, I don't want to do it. Like, I don't want to 
you know, keep you know, there's just no, nothing local. I don't understand why these meetings can't make it. I, I don't get it here. But, it's, you know, it's not easy getting. I know the feeling because I remember when I first started Addicts Anonymous for our Zoom calls, get like one or two people. Then sometimes yeah. I'd sit there all by myself, but I stay on the call just in case anyone showed up. Yeah, um, and, and, and I did too. I would stay, but then after a while, it's like you get discouraged. I would be discouraged and I'm like, I'm getting a resentment. I can't, like, I just can't. I'm not doing this anymore. So, you know, like I said, if, if somehow people, you know, would say, hey, let's do these meetings. You know, I have a place to 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 have the meetings. Um, I sit on the board at the Alano Club. We own that building. I mean, the um, the Alano Club is owned. It's a nonprofit. We run out. We you know we rent out um, for meetings for just twelve set meetings. I mean, I have a space to have it. It's only forty dollars a month rent. I was even paying rent by myself. So I just kind of like you know, it just was discouraging. So I really did it because I I got a resentment. But the one thing I will say, though, like, and I always tell people when I read stuff, we don't have meetings, you know, where I live. Well, then go to NA, go to AA, identify as you do what you have to do. And I'm honest. Everybody knows at NA that I have a gambling issue. You know, I'm addicted to gambling. They know this. And they accept me. So, you know, the biggest thing is it does work. It's working for me, and it's been working for me. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm grateful. What age did you first seek help? what age did I first know yeah like when did you first say to yourself pardon my language oh shit oh, I'm probably problem. like probably like yeah probably I want to say um I knew I had a problem probably maybe 20 28 20 but, no maybe what 26. age were you oh what age were you? I'm 55 right now so maybe I don't know late late twenties, I knew I had a problem. And how I knew is first of all, um, my dad's an alcoholic. So I already knew that I had that addictive behaviors. Right. And I remember I went to the casino one time and I actually spent my house payment. I had asked my parents for the money for my, to make my house payment. I had never done that before, you know, and I knew it was a problem and my mom loaned it to me and she told me I'm going to loan it to you, but don't ever ask me again. Cause I was honest, mom, I have a gambling problem. I was honest, you know, and I, I did, I, I borrowed it and, and I started attending meetings, but again, I just, I, I wasn't, I didn't understand recovery. I didn't understand, you know, the, the living, the spiritual, like the things that I needed to do to stay, to become spiritual. And the thing is what people like, what I came to conclusions on, like my past and the way I've treated, like I treated my husband you know, it was addictive behaviors. I wasn't surrendering to the program. It was, a, you know, addict behaviors. Yes, I was a, a, a abstinent from gambling, but I wasn't truly in recovery. And that's one thing I've had to like really look at and, and, and own that, you know, and it gave me comfort because I know I'm willing to do the work now, you know, like I don't ever want to be the same, that person that I used to be. I'm proud of the person I'm becoming, you know, I don't ever want to be that way anymore. So. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey. I'm telling you, I would go. I I, tr I tried everything. I tried church. I tried uh, celebrate recovery. I mean, and I just celebrate recovery was nice as far as the steps, but like I hated being preached. I didn't want to hear it. I I just wanted to have a group steps, you know, share and be done. But like I don't know. It just whatever works for people. I guess I don't know. I don't. I, it's not my place to put other people down in their recovery. You know, but yeah. it didn't work for me.
one thing I find interesting is that you were so honest from the start, like just telling yep. people. I mean, yep. most addicts, we hide it. Well, that's just how I am. And the thing is, I think that's why, honest to God, that's why I'm able to have the time that I have now because of the honesty. Um, I just never lied. I'm not, I wasn't going to lie. And it was funny because my husband would be so mad at me. Like, yeah, I did spend it. Give me your money. That's just how I was. You know, and I'm not proud about that. But I also know that I'm not that person anymore because I, I've done the work to figure out why I was that person. You know, I don't. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just the honesty that the thing is, this program is such an honest program. You know, you if you can't be honest with yourself, how the heck can you recover? You can't because you're going to make excuses. You're going to justify. Well, so and I remember, too, like, OK, so I'm 55 years old. OK, um, probably my gambling became really really bad when my kids were teenagers and when when um my my two my two boys got into drugs pretty pretty bad you know and um it just was I didn't want to feel the feelings I was worried I was scared I mean all these things and I would think to myself and I would even tell them if you guys weren't such little shits I wouldn't gamble you know I tried to blame that on them and that wasn't right you know you know it's just I wasn't dealing with I didn't want to deal with life on life's terms there you go you know, I, I justified it. And that's the thing, you know, and, and until you take a look at why you're doing, it's not anybody's fault why you're gambling. It's because you don't want to feel your shit. That's why. You don't want to feel like life. Like life is not easy. Like, let me give you an example. I used to think if I did everything right, like go to church, give a percentage of my money to the church, you know, all these things, you know, nothing bad was going to happen to me. And that's bullshit because life happens. You know, people like, like, and I even remember like, so my husband passed away. He, he had, he had a lung disease. He had never had symptoms with. And in December, late December, he got sick and he, and he wasn't getting better. And he finally, they figured out, okay, that lung disease that he had been treatment for, and he had went to a specialist two times a year for manifested. And it was too late. There was no ventilators. It just was a shit show. It was like, like he got sick in three weeks, he was dead. Okay. And he was in the hospital probably that whole time. And I was like, like, and, and I was mad at God. I'm like, God, how dare you take him? Like, you know, I wasn't ready for him to go yet. You know, like, why would you do that to me? You know, I was angry with God. And it's like, dude, like he was suffering. Like, I'm glad that he only suffered for a couple of weeks. You know, that disease is horrible. And, and until I like, you know, that's how selfish I was. You know, and I look at that and now I think back, yes, I miss him, but I'm so happy he's not suffering because he would be miserable right now, you know? So anyways, yeah. I just, like, I don't, I'm not trying to like take over on this. So please ask me questions. I just, no, no, I, this is what we do. We're talking about your life story and that is part of it. So feel free to keep talking. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah. So for me, like I said, for me, like, like I really tried, like, I know they say like when you have loss, for me, the loss of him, like, in fact, I was, uh, the book I'm, uh, we're doing at my, at my meeting on Monday nights is called Living, Living Clean, okay, and what it's about, it's about, like, not living that addictive, that addictive life, and, and we were talking about what was your, um, what was your rock bottom, there you go, rock bottom, my rock bottom was Ernie passing away and me having so much fucking guilt because of the way I acted and treated him when I was in active addiction, as well as just being abstinent. And that's what keeps me doing what I'm doing now. 
because I don't want to feel the sadness. I don't want to have regret. Like it's interesting. And even like, you know, even like as far as like work and everything, I really, really like there's some things I need to work on. Like I like to spend money. There's just shit I need to still work on. Like, like I could be saving more. I don't need to be like shopping even makes me feel different. You know, it's interesting. Shopping even makes me feel a certain way. So I have to watch that, you know? So, but at least now I can see the behaviors, you know, I see them, recognize them and I, and I'm willing to do the work to change those behaviors, you know? I just want to be happy, you know, and have peace and serenity like everybody else in life, you know? That's the ultimate goal. Everyone just wants to be happy and live their life. Right. They want to minimize however much pain they're going to feel in their lifetime. Right. Right. So at what point was your actual, um, what do you call it, recovery working for you? Was there a point where you had a few years, you know, when you put it this way, when you first started, how long was your first stint, quote unquote, of sobriety? Probably like a year. Okay. But again, all I was doing is just being abstinent. I wasn't working the program. Just abstinent. And shit, when like I felt bad about myself or whatever, and, and I gambled. I would do that all the time. It was funny because I would do it. I'd have this time. And then I would just relapse like nothing for maybe a month. And then I'd get back on the wagon. That went on for many, many years many years yeah so i don't know man but go go first no you go first i do understand the chronic backslider backslider the 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 chronic um relapser though i do understand sorry remind me i do understand the chronic um relapse right I get it I totally get it but and, and and they should keep going to meetings they shouldn't give up they should not give in because the thing is I, I the law I, I it would have been much worse my life if I would have not went to meetings you know so yeah you just don't want to give up because the miracle will happen you just gotta you just gotta keep going you know it'll click it'll click so how was it once you first started working the steps? Did you embrace them at first or were you kind of like, no, I didn't want to the hell. No, like I, I didn't <laughs> even know because like then what I'm not perfect. It was for me, like it really helped me this, these last steps. It really helped me realize why I acted a certain way. So that really gave me comfort because I had so much guilt and sadness and regret when my husband passed away so much and working those steps showed me why I was behaving the way I behaved, you know? And, um, so it's given me a lot of relief and it will give you a lot of relief. You know, it'll, it'll give you relief and it'll give you growth. And that's what you want. You know, like if you're struggling with something, work steps on it, it'll show you why. Old school people that were that are in recovery, they they only you know did one step and they didn't they weren't um, working steps on their other character defects. And the young ones, they're the ones that are working. You know, like the old timers are like, okay, I already worked steps one time. Well, the the newer you know the young ones, they're working steps all the time. You know, on different behaviors, and I think it's cool because they want to change. You know, they want to change, and and that's that's a big thing. So it really does work. It really works because it shows you why. 
and then it shows you how to change, you know? You can work through all that. Yeah. So you said you are sober now five years, I believe? Yep. Tell us about sober time. What do you do with your time now that you're not gambling, uh, you know, to kill? Yeah, time? right. Clean. Yeah. Um. I, okay, I do like two to three meetings a week. Okay. Um. I'm secretary one meeting on Mondays. Um, what are you, I, what is, I'm just learning. What is the secretary of the meeting? Okay. That means I facilitate the meeting. Like I'm the okay. one that, yeah, I facilitate the meeting. I, yeah. And then on, um, on, um, the other two, the other two days, I, I'll attend a meeting here in town. Um, you know, um, if someone needs like newbies, they'll want a ride. I always end up trying to give them a ride and stuff. I sponsor, I have sponsees. I have two of them right now. So I talk to them. They call me. Um, I, um, I have a boyfriend. He doesn't live here. He lives in Santa Maria, which is like, I don't know, half an hour, 40 minutes. I, I hang out with him on the weekends. I still have my house. He has his house. It's, it's good. And here's the thing on the relationship. I'm way different than I used to be. Like, I'm actually nice and pleasant to be around, not bossy and bitchy like I used to be because I'm willing to do the work and change, you know? Um, so that pretty much like, like, oh, and I have um, family family so I you know I try to do baseball games for the kids and I have grandkids I mean I I stay busy like I don't and I work I work like every day except for weekends you know so yeah I'm busy 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 uh, busy but service so work is important like taking that yeah. time for people you know sponsoring them you know helping them get you know see what they need to do you can't boss them around but you just listen to what you know what they need help with or whatever you know yeah, I mean, I consider this service work, even though yep, I enjoy absolutely. doing Absolutely. What you're doing is service work. Absolutely. Because people are they're able to tell their stories and just reach, you know, as many people as possible. And yep. I just want to give people a platform to speak and be heard. Well, yeah. And plus, maybe maybe some of these stories going to resonate. You know, I, I read something in that book, Living Clean, where it says, you know, we all have different stories, but yet we're all the same. We suffer from the same disease. And that's the yep. thing. We are all the same. It doesn't matter what you struggle with. Like, yes, there's different consequences for drugs, alcohol, gambling. There's there's different consequences for it, you know? But it doesn't matter the way it makes us feel. That That's it. We don't want to feel that way. We don't want to be in active addiction any longer, you know? And, um, oh, and I also sit on the board of directors for... Um, the Alano Club, we own we own it and we rent we rent it out. So I'm the treasurer, so I have to pay all the bills and do all kinds of stuff for it. That's another thing. But it, it, it's service work because we keep that club for people that have meetings out of, you know? Yeah. Both set meetings. So it's important. Like it's a it's a good thing. You know, and that's about it. Like I'm fortunate. I only have to work, you know, 40 hours a week. My husband left me okay. I have like some retirement stuff from him and I'm good. Like he really took care of me. God bless me. So yeah, I mean. That's great. They had someone that loved you so much. Right. So my last question is, do you have, I mean, you've sprinkled in a lot of advice throughout this, but do you have any advice you would love to just say to people as far as how to get sober? And most of all, also very importantly, how they, you could uh, stay sober. I think the biggest thing is what, what I do when I'm praying for people is I pray that God removes the obsession first, you know, like the obsession to gamble, right? Pray for that obsession to be removed. And then 
um, find a meeting. It doesn't matter if, you, if there's no meetings in your area, you go to NA, you go to AA, you do whatever it takes to, to not. And if you have to go every day, when my husband first passed away, I was going like five days a week to meetings. That's how like almost every day because I was so broken. I knew I ran to recovery. Instead of like avoiding it, I ran to recovery. So there's going to be different times in your life where you're going to need to have more meetings. You're going to have some loss. You go to more meetings. You press into your recovery. You don't, and, and don't look at other people around you. You're there to, to, to help yourself. This is a selfish program. We have to think about ourselves, you know? We have to. So for me, I don't look at other people. If, they're, if they struggle or if they have some character defects, I don't look at them. I don't judge them, you know? I, I, and the people that I do, like, like have a relationship with, like that they're, they have good, um, they have good recovery because they're focusing on themselves. They're not worried about everybody else around them. Um, so meeting, I always say this meeting, meeting makers, make it, get a sponsor, find someone that you can be accountable to have a phone list. You make those calls before you gamble, no matter what, don't be that person that just relapses, relapses and relapses and, and dies and dies like gambling, you know, or, or committing suicide or what. I mean, that shit is, it's depressing. Like when you're an active addiction, it sucks. You don't have to live like that anymore. It's a choice, you know, it's a, you, you can choose to, to recover and do it. And no matter what, even if you, the obsession hasn't been removed, it will be removed. You just have to keep going to meetings and keep hearing people's different stories and pray and ask your higher power to remove that obsession. And then once it's removed, you got to keep doing the work so that you don't fall back into it again. Because let me tell you, when you fall back into it, it's even worse. I remember one of the last times, um, one of the, I, I, like I said, again, I, the last couple of times I, I, I went to the casino, I remember um, uh, winning $2,500, right? And I remember my husband saying, come on, because he hated gambling. He's like, come on, pull that money out. No, I would tell him, no, I'm going to win more. I can make this, you know, I'm an insurance agent. I can make this on one account. And what I do, I spent all my money and I took the rest of his because gambling money is never enough. Remember this, gambling money is never enough, never enough. And, and you're screwed if you win and you're screwed if you lose because there's no peace. So that, that, that's another thing that I have learned, you know, in this, in recovery, it's just never enough. That's great. Finding peace because there's no peace there. There's not. There isn't. There, there really isn't. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the time I have. I'm grateful that, you know, I don't have to live like that anymore. I'm grateful that I can lay my head at night and not feel guilty because I wasn't an asshole with somebody today, you know? Sorry for my language. That's okay. Yeah. But anyways, all I can say is there's hope. There is hope. Just don't give up. Don't give in. And no matter what, just keep on showing up. That's all you that's all you can do, you know. That is great. I think that's a great place to wrap it up. Did you have anything else you want to add? No. Awesome. You did a great interview today. Thank you. Thank you so, for letting me do that. No problem, of course. And for everybody listening, if you liked what you saw and heard, go below and give us a like. Also, subscribe so you'll be updated when we get new videos added. Uh, we usually do a few a week. Also, check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, and uh, there's a few other platforms, TikTok as well. And 
biggest thing is go to our Facebook group, go to the events tab. You'll see that we do weekly, or I apologize, nightly Zoom meetings every night at 6.30 Eastern Standard Time. The Zoom ID for everyone is 968-004-9132. And the password is compassion, all lowercase. So that's all I have for today. And until next time.